Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang, and welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, episode seven. I'm fired up. We're on a roll here, and I think people are starting to realize, you know, uh, how serious this product is, how serious the show is. You know, I put a lot of time, effort, and money, uh, my team and I, into developing this. It seems all gravy, you know, for the finished product, but definitely has been a lot of work, but I'm having so much fun doing it, and it seems like you guys are too. Um, You know, I, I hope you guys are enjoying the interviews I've been nailing with just some super high profile people. Um, everyone so far has been a home run, I think, and judging from the reaction of the community, you know, you guys are loving it as well. Today on the show, we have NHL goalie coach Andrew Allen, and I couldn't be happier with the way the conversation went down, talking about major junior versus college, transitioning to pro hockey, and what separates National League goaltenders from everyone else. So definitely listen up today. Quick announcement, and I've got a lot of interest as of the last few months regarding this, but the Goalie Hacks merch shop is officially live. So if you guys are hacktivists looking to support the show and wrap some Goalie Hacks swag in your community, head on over to the link in my bio on Instagram to check out some hacker merch available now for boys and girls. And as always, quick shout out to the people that support the show and my work. I love you guys. The IQ Goalie E-Digest, Brandon and I have become very close friends and his product is next level. I'm personally an annual subscriber of the product and for just a few bucks a month, the E-Digest contains five easy to read articles reporting on and reviewing sports science concepts related to goaltending. So today, we're offering a promotion of 20% off if you use the code HACKS in all caps at checkout, H-A-C-K-S. Visit IQGoalie.com or find them on Instagram at IQ underscore goalie for more details. Shout out to Narrow Tracker, our other main sponsor since day one. And today I have an enormous promotion to announce, so listen up. If you're looking to do some elite level neurovisual brain training, this is easily the best product on the market right now. So to kick off our sponsorship, we're giving away two subscriptions to the new NTX product not available to the public yet. So stick around to the end of the show on how to get the details to enter. But just so you guys know, I have a exclusive goalie hacks discount you will not get this anywhere else um this is only for my community and it'll only be available for two more weeks so if you're looking to support the show and get better in these hard times whether you're a coach or goalie and if you're looking to save a ton of money before the price goes up in a couple weeks just hit me up in my dms on instagram after the show uh to get more information on how to get started today Lastly, shout out to my supporters over on Patreon. I've talked to the community and I've begun to offer some pretty sweet services for an incredibly affordable price. That's a great exchange of value for everyone involved. You know, I offer a private community and private mentor sessions not available to the public. Uh, monthly video review, just a few bucks. And, and I've already gotten a few people using this service and they love it. Five to seven minutes of video per month you send me and you get a two to four page write-up and summary on what you need to do better, things you're doing well, and exactly how to improve in those things. Um, all this stuff is for you guys. So if you're looking to support my work and become a part of my inner circle and get some personal feedback on your play and your career, head to my page over at patreon.com slash goaliehacks and get started today before spots fill up. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I know you guys are going to love the chat. 
Andrew and I had today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. I couldn't be more excited today to be joined by former Catamount and UVM alumni, Andrew Allen. After playing 80-plus games and graduating from UVM after four seasons, Andrew went on to play five years of pro hockey, including over a dozen games in the American Hockey League and 100-plus games in a Kelly Cup championship in the ECHL. He became a goaltending coach back in 2006 and has now worked with the Japanese national team and St. Lawrence University, the Division I NCAA program, for a handful of years before becoming the goalie coach for the Rockford Icehawks in the AHL for four years, as well as filling the role as the goalie development coach for the Blackhawks during his time there as well. He then moved on to being the goalie coach for the Buffalo Sabres for the four of the last five years. And now going forward, Andrew is currently working with the new NHL Seattle organization and has been helping them with scouting goaltenders and getting their franchise off the ground. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey there. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Right on, man. Well, it's incredible to meet you. You know, shout out to our both our former goalie coach, uh, Terry Lovelett, for hooking us up. He's such a beauty. I love the guy to death. Uh, yeah, Terry, this this, uh, this whole coming together got me, gave me a chance to, to catch up with Terry. And uh, he, uh, he was a big, uh, big part of my time at UVM. And uh, it was always a sounding board for me, even after I left uh, in my pro career uh, through the ups and downs. I, I could always uh, get on the phone and talk to Terry. He's just such a soothing and calm uh, uh, compliment for me. And, uh, I, I owe a lot to him in my, uh, progress from college, uh, into my pro career and even in life. So he's, uh, he's a, a great man and, uh, and it's great that he was able to hook us up. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, he honestly just sort of looking at his past, he's just coached some, uh, some pretty, pretty good lineage of goaltenders. Unfortunately, I only got two years with him before he, he decided to retire, but, um, you know, it's, it was a blessing to meet him and sort of, uh, he's put me over the years in contact with a lot of, uh, ex UVM goalies. And, um, it's for me, it's just always so much fun meeting for former Catamounts. I honestly just love the school and the culture around the alumni network. I, I don't think I've ever reached out to alum from there and, and gotten the cold shoulder or been turned down no matter how high profile they are. So, uh, they're always willing to help. It's just, it's such, such a blessing to be a part of such a great tradition and community. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I can't say enough about my four years uh, at UVM, you know, everything from the city of Burlington to the people mm. that uh, we were surrounded with to teammates, to coaches, it, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I, I don't get back there as much as I'd like to, uh, yeah. but uh, it, it's something that I, I have a lot of classmates that are still there, still in the area. Uh, Martin oh, really? Wild, Mike Torney, and both uh, Jerry and Jim Jernander. And, oh yeah, guys, I stay in touch with that that stayed. None of them were from Burlington, and they all stayed in the area. That just a testament to it. what a great area of the uh, the country it is. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I uh, I haven't been back in a while either. But uh, we were actually my whole class. We were looking to go back this spring here, but. Obviously, with the COVID stuff going down, it's sort of put a halt on things, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, hopefully make my way back there. Hopefully this this all this stuff clears up soon. But I, I, I just want to quickly talk about a story because this one is really good for all our listeners. So I talked to T-Love, our old goalie coach, before the call. And he mentioned that you scored a goal at UVM during your time. And he told me that it was also a game-winning goal. So I fact-checked it. It turns out... 
Andrew Allen was the first goaltender in the NCAA to be credited with scoring the game-winning goal for his team. And it came in a game against Harvard University in 1998. And, and so everyone tuning in, this is a story that T-Love told me. I'm, I'm reading from his text. He said, you guys were up by a goal. They pulled their goalie. You made a save. And their guy tried to wrap and went all the way down and went in. And, and you had touched the puck last. So you got credit for the goal. But Harvard then scored again before the game ended. So in so facto, you scored the game-winning goal. <laughs> so is that exactly how it went down? No way. It was top corner from the other end. I roofed it. The <laughs> no, you know, that that's pretty much it. In my mind, I remember, uh, I believe I intercepted a pass coming out from behind. And I don't know if I made a save or if it was I intercepted it um, coming out from behind the net. And he came around the other side of the net with the puck again and tried to wrap and uh and uh went all the way down it went straight into the middle of the net it was funny it went through everybody all the way down um and and yeah so so i was the last one the the, the ref pointed to me and i was like i just scored a goal um but not the way you ever envision in your head scoring a goal so i like it no. better when the stat line shows i scored a goal but people don't know the story but then then they it, there was still a decent <laughs> amount of time left uh, they pulled the goalie decently early um and then uh, they ended up getting a power play uh, in the last minute of the game. And they scored on the power play in the last minute of the game. So, and after the game, everybody's making fun of me and saying, you let that in on purpose. And I'm like, I, I wish I would have <laughs> let that in on purpose. It'd be a better story, but yeah, I got right. scored on. Uh, and it became the, the game winning, uh, game winning goal. So it's something for me, that was my freshman year. And it was, it actually happened. In oh, a weekend. No way. Uh, we were on the road. Uh, we, uh, we were on the road at Brown and then at Harvard and I had a great weekend, uh, uh, played well in both games. And then it was capped off by a game winning goal and on the second, on the Saturday night. So, uh, made for a, made for a nice next week, uh, at school at practice anyways. Yeah, no kidding. Eh? No, I've, I've, uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever come in, at least in, in sort of, uh, the upper echelon levels of hockey. I've never come close to scoring a goal. I've gotten scored on on like a delayed penalty. Like I've gone off the ice guy goes down the wing on a three on two rips one around the glass high and wide. And I just watch it go all the way in my net. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that oh too. Oh my God. <sighs> oh man. Just, uh, no, that's cool, man. I, I, I think that's just something like you're a part of history, man. You know, like it's cool to be a part of that. Um, and uh, I wish I could do something like that. I'm still it playing. Really so I maybe one day. <laughs> I heard I heard they took the stick to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now I, I don't have any no uh, way for that for sure. But I I heard that at the time that they did. yeah I I don't know for sure. And obviously I don't think it's ever been displayed. Uh, um, but uh, that's something that, you know who who knows look into. But uh, yeah. it was something that ended up being uh, a unique uh, situation in, in in the history of hockey. So it's pretty cool for sure. Yeah. Well, right on, man. Well, you know, obviously we could talk for, for a long time about, uh, you know, sometimes at UVM, but let's not, let's not waste any more time because I have a lot to go over with you. Um, so I sort of want to jump right in here, but maybe you can just start off by, you know, talking quickly about where you grew up playing, you know, how you originally ended up at UVM and just some background on, on your road leading up to pro. Sure. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in a small town in uh, Ontario called Van Cleek Hill, Ontario, population 1600. Um, and it's <laughs> uh, uh, a small little, I grew up on a farm. I have that one of those stories of one of these kids growing up on the farm and skating uh, behind my house in a, 
in a low area in the field uh, that all was formed. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Ontario, um, and I played my minor hockey in my hometown. Never traveled all that much. Uh, I got to play junior in my area as well, uh, junior C in my hometown of Anquik Hill, junior B in Medcalf, Ontario, and then uh, junior A in Hawkesbury, Ontario, right close to my hometown. The same spot that Martin St. Louis and Eric Perrin played a little bit in Hawkesbury uh, before they went to UVM. Um, and uh, and then I got my scholarship coming out of coming out of junior A, and and I didn't get it till my 20 year old uh, year, my last year of junior. Uh, wasn't really highly recruited uh, before that. I kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Uh, wasn't uh, on the uh, OHL uh, scouting list at 15 either. So I, I was a bit of a late bloomer, a big lanky goalie, and uh, made my way to UVM without a lot of uh, coaching, really. So, you know, Terry Lovelet at UVM was my first uh, full-time real goaltending coach. So I, I was able to learn so much from him because of that. Um, and that's how I, uh, that's how I kind of got, uh, got my start and, and got to UVM. I, I wasn't sure I got my scholarship in January of my 20 year old year. So, uh, there was no guarantees that I was, uh, destined, uh, destined uh, for college hockey. I, I worked for it and, uh, and I ended up in uh, such a great spot and I was lucky uh, to have ended up at UVM. Yeah, right on. No, I think, uh, it's funny that you say that it's sort of <laughs> that's sort of how it panned out for me too actually <laughs> ending up there you know not yeah. really uh yeah yeah you know I mean I think um I was pretty competitive but you know obviously just not highly touted and sort of locked it up late and then um you know had a pretty good run there during my time but you know for you um did it sort of all had you had you always wanted to play college hockey was major junior in the mix for you you know did it sort of all you know, pan out the way you imagined it, you know, uh, while you're getting picked for the next level? Um, I, uh, Major Junior was never really in the picture. It, it was something that I thought of as a kid, I, uh, but I just wasn't scouted. I, I, I didn't play as high a level as I needed to at, at 14, 15 years old to really be in the Major Junior mix. So I, I was able to kind of focus my goal right on NCAA, uh, knowing that I had a couple more years to, to um, you know, develop and uh, to give myself a chance at that. Uh, and, and I always uh, did well in school and, and, you know, took a lot of pride in school. So I, I was really happy with the, the university route uh, at the time. It seemed like the safer route uh, for me. Uh, in my situation, uh, you know, I get a lot of questions uh, from, you know, parents now when I'm coaching younger goalies, uh, what's the best route? And there's yes. not one best route. It's everybody has their own path and, and uh, different circumstances for different uh, goalies uh, play into the equation. And for me, there wasn't really a choice. I did not have a choice between the two. Um, mm -hmm. The only really major junior contact I had was from Quebec major junior in Drummondville when I was 19 years old. Um, and at that point I had already, uh, made the decision that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go for, go the scholarship route. So I, I, uh, I didn't really have a lot of, um, decisions to make, uh, from that standpoint. So, um, uh, mm. that was, uh, how I ended up going the college route. Yeah. So maybe just quickly, obviously, um, you know, you're, you're an NHL caliber goalie coach now, maybe for some kids, you know, who are, who, who maybe do have that option. What's some, some advice you can get that to maybe provide some more perspective and some more clarity in terms of, you know, what would the best option be for guys, you know, who would be the best fit for major junior versus college? Yeah, that's the, that's the big question. And and I think uh, oh, yeah. you have to, 
Yeah, you have to look at it from where, what is the best situation for you? Uh, you know, with major junior now with school packages and it, it, it's, it's both ways you're, you're going to get an education uh, if you want it. Um, and it's about development and mm-hmm. where will you play more? Where, where do you have the, the opportunity to hone your skills better? And um, major junior is a path that, that I don't know a ton about personally because I didn't go through it. Yeah. Um, but it's a path where goalies uh, get to play at a bit of a higher level earlier, usually younger. Um, whereas university uh, you're, you're playing usually a little bit later. So you're a little bit older going in. Um, I was 21 and my birthday's in August. So I was 21 when I got to, to UVM. So I was quite a bit older. Um, but it was a situation for me that Vermont was looking for somebody who could come in and maybe start right away, uh, with Tim Thomas leaving, I came in right after Tim Thomas, um, that they were, they were kind of recruiting a more experienced, a little bit older goaltender. So, so that fit perfectly for me. Whereas, uh, whereas other kids, when they're 15 years old, they're, they're doing really well and they're playing at a high level that maybe the OHL route is a better way to be seen. Uh, by NHL scouts earlier and, and uh, it's their, their right path. So there's no right answer. It's all, it's all about kind of going through a checklist of the pros and cons of both sides in your situation um, and, uh, and then making decisions from there. So it's uh, there is no mm-hmm. one right answer to this. It's based on uh, case by case for sure. Yeah, no, I like, I like that you use that word development. It was sort of um, it was like me too. I'm a bit of a shorter guy, much shorter than you are, but you know, I, I wanted to sort of, the idea was to lengthen the career a bit and get a little bit older, a little bit stronger, some more experience. So that way that would sort of offset for, um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, just the size thing, you know, growing up. So, um, you know, I was really happy to go to college route. I think for me personally, going pro at, at 24 was, um, you know, the right call because when I got there, I'm like, this is, you know, it's hard hockey play hard every night, you know, uh, 60 game schedule. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, prior to this conversation, you and I spoke a bit about the grind of pro hockey and the roller coaster, you know, the ups and downs and, and how much uncertainty there is, you know, how was your experience like when you, when you first went pro post UVM after you graduated? Well, I had, I had a very interesting first year. Well, actually my pro career started right after my college season, my uh, senior year. Uh, I, we, we finished out at Lake Placid that year. Um, and, uh, I came home to Ottawa for spring break. Um, and it was St. Patrick's day. I remember, and I got a phone call from Dayton, Ohio, uh, the Dayton bombers in the East coast league. Mm-hmm. And they asked if I wanted to go down, uh, and, uh, they're in dire straits. Both their goalies have been called up to different organizations. Um, and they're looking for a goalie. So I, uh, I grabbed, I, I got back in my car, drove back to school and uh, grabbed my equipment. And I actually drove across uh, country from, uh, from Burlington wow. to Dayton, Ohio, um, and, uh, got there. The team had already practiced, uh, that day and we were, they were leaving the next morning to go down South, uh, to play in Birmingham, Alabama. So I practiced by myself with one of the assistant coaches when I got there that night. Uh, then we got on a plane, which in the East Coast League, there's not a lot of flying. And it's kind of funny. My first trip ever was on a plane. Uh, and we drove down wow. and, and I ended up starting. I ended up starting the next day in Birmingham and, and got a shutout in my first pro game. So wow. so my, my career and I played a, a few more games for them. Uh, then I went back and, and graduated. Um, and uh, then I signed with Florida 
Panthers, the NHL of uh, the NHL uh, that summer, uh, and uh, and started my my first full season uh, in the, in pro. And, and so what happened was they didn't have their own American League affiliate that year, and that was nine eleven. That was my my first day of my first NHL training camp was uh, canceled, and we sat in our hotel rooms. Jeez. I'll never forget. My roommate was Wade Wade Flaherty, and I've stayed close with Wade Flaherty to this day. Uh, because of that connection. Uh, anyway, so that was our first day of my first NHL wow. um, camp. Um, but I ended up playing five on five teams that year. Uh, I played on two East Coast League teams, uh, two American League teams, and I backed up two games for the Florida Panthers at the end of the season uh, in the NHL. So you talk about roller coaster. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I learned so much in my first year of pro because you're in college uh, for four years and you have minimal transactions minimal changes every year there's a right. few new players and you use and you lose a couple players just by graduation uh, but there's no trades there's no call-ups send downs all that so you're you're kind of in a bubble in college and, and you get to know the same people and I was on five teams and and your team is changing daily at times uh, yeah. um, at the pro level so that was quite quite an adjustment for me so you have to learn to kind of do your job, be in a zone and do your job and not worry about what's going on all around you right. and where you might be the next day. You know, I, I had situations where I had been called up to the American league and think I'm playing pretty well. And all of a sudden I come in the next morning, your gear's already packed for you. And it's, Hey, you're, you're getting yeah. sent back down. One of our goalies just came back from the NHL. There's so much out of your control that the grind of it all for me, what I learned the most was to try to stay within myself in my head and just take it day to day. You have to have dreams and goals, but you can't let them uh, bother you in the moment. Uh, you just don't know what's what's coming the next day in pro hockey. Yeah, no kidding. I uh, I had a similar go around my first year of pro, and like you said, you sort of there's so many distractions. I think that when it comes to to pro hockey, and I had uh, Zach Fucali on the podcast, and we sort of talked about that. You're just trying to please so many people, GMs, teammates, coaches, yeah. fans, you know, so, and that's honestly the biggest takeaway I got too. It's sort of like worry about what, what you, you have control over and that's just you stopping pucks, you, you focusing on doing your job. Right. So, um, you know, how did you sort of, you said you, you got, you know, diced around a bit and, and, and that's sort of typical, um, especially at the higher levels mm -hmm. that, that you're at. There's a lot of transactions, like you said. So, how did you sort of deal with, with the disappointment? You know, what is some advice that you can give some current pros or, or, you know, kids going through that current disappointment as well? How'd you get over it? Well, it's a, it's a great question. And there's, there's days you felt um, that you didn't get over it very well and you let it affect you on the ice. And that to me is the biggest thing is that when you get out on the ice, that's when you should be free and clear of it. You, you can't be thinking when you're out there. If you're thinking you're not, reacting naturally then you're not giving yourself the best uh opportunity to be ready yeah uh no matter what happens whether you get called up that day after practice or so if you have a bad practice in the east coast league and you're like uh and all of a sudden you get off and the coach says come in and see me and you get called up to the american league and you could be starting the next night same thing that happened it happened to me a right. few times and so the way i i dealt with it mostly is when i was on the ice let it go just be out there. You're, you're playing hockey. You're, you're, uh, you're in a situation that you want to be in. Exactly. And, and then you can't deal with it totally yourself. And that's where goalie coaches come in. And I, again, Terry Lovelett for me, when I was in my first year pro, I would call him because I knew that he would listen and he didn't have all the answers for me, 
but it gave me a sounding board. And I also was lucky enough in Florida that I was able to contact uh, Ian Clark, who was the goaltending coach there, who's now um, uh, the goalie coach in uh, Vancouver. Uh, he was Florida's goaltending coach. And, and, and now the game has progressed to the point where I was in this position that a lot of the NHL teams have a developmental goaltending coach. And part of my job was to be there for these guys whenever they were having a tough day, just somebody to talk to. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't face to face all the time, but I was able to know what they were going through, know the ups and downs. How do you just, just to be able to get it out of what you're feeling and it, it helps so much. So, um, that's how I dealt with the Delta disappointment. It was trying to talk it through, trying to get to a situation where you can play free when you're on the ice and let the chips fall where they may. Um, and then on the other side of it, when I got into the coaching ranks is to be there for these guys and, and explain to them, it's normal what's going through their mind. And, and you need to be able to prioritize things in your mind that are going to help you get better and don't dwell on things that are just going to keep you spinning, you know? And, and I think anytime I played uptight, I didn't play well. And the more I could help a goaltender uh, relax and get his, his mindset that he that he's feeling natural out there, then he's, he's going to play better. So that, that's kind of the way I've always approached it in, not just in hockey, but in life, uh, we all go through ups and downs and then you have to find ways to come out of it. Uh, and it, at the end of the day is up to you and your mind uh, to do it. Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, I think that's a good way to approach it. And, and some of what you're saying too, is, is sort of just being in the moment, right? Enjoying it. Um, not letting your mind wander too far into the future and, and not being in the past too much. Just enjoy that moment, loosen up a bit and, and have some fun, uh, you know, stopping pucks because um, it can be it can be nerve wracking and, and a lot of anxiety, you know, sort, sort of comes up. But if you could go back and, and tell yourself one thing before, you know, the beginning of your career and sort of the shakeup all went down. Um, you know, you had mentioned to me that you actually consider retiring. So what would you go back and tell yourself if you could? Um, you know what the biggest thing for me was uh, worrying, but about what other people were doing, what other goalies were doing. Well, why is why is this goalie getting a chance and I'm not? And why yeah. why do they like him more? Why why did he just get called up? I'm playing better, you know. And the more you worry about somebody else, the more of a toll it takes on you. And that was the biggest thing. If I could go back now, I was always worried about what other people were thinking, what other people were doing instead of focusing on me. And the, at the end of the day, the only person I can control is me. And that's easy to say, very hard to do. But For the sure. more I t thought about other situations and being even to the point of jealous when you're, when you're in the minors, everybody wants to get to the NHL. Yeah. And when you're in the minors and you're watching the transactions and, and you see a guy get called up that you, you feel that, you know, when I play against him, I'm better than him, you know, uh, in my own mind, I am right. Uh, the more you, you think about things like that, the bigger of a toll it takes on you. So if I had to go back, uh, it would be to, to focus more on myself and get out of all the, the extra things that I, a GM of an NHL team or a GM of an American league team, I can't, the only thing I can do to, to make his decision is to give him my best. And if my yeah. best to him in his mind isn't what he's looking for, I can't control that. But if yeah. I get wrapped up in mentally about, oh, what if this, what if that, who's watching? If I get wrapped up in that and I play uptight and I don't play to my capabilities, 
then that's on me. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the biggest thing I would go back. And, and I got much better at that as my career went along. It started at UVM. All of a sudden you're, you're playing, you're on a scholarship, you're there to play hockey, you're there to get a good education, you're being counted upon. Um, there's more people watching. Now there's NHL scouts, there's this, there's that. Yeah. I, there's time, and Terry could tell you, there's times where he had to tell me to just relax you know, you're a talented goalie, but you're not looking like one right now, you know, and so that it, it all plays in that. So a long story for that's what I would change uh, would be to focus more on myself and not mm -hmm. get so wrapped up in the hoopla of everything else around. No, I think that's uh, that's some fire that you just said. I think that's a huge point um, for goalies at every level. No, that that was that was unreal. So you stuck it out and good for you because I think we both know it can be sort of tough to, to find your place in the pro world, especially in the higher leagues where, where you played, you know, trying to crack a show gig, yeah. you know, where there's just an incredible amount of competition, especially nowadays, even more so. Right. So, you know, how did that feel for you when you were finally able to, to turn it around and, and lead your team to a Kelly cup championship in the ECHL? Well, that's, yeah, that, that was the other part of your last question I, I didn't actually answer, and I'll use it to precursor the my Trenton uh, Titans experience, sure. is my second year pro, my second year pro, uh, I was um, at a point uh, in the season where I was like, man, do I, it was, it wasn't going that well for me, and I, and I had my, uh, my wife with me at the time, uh, we were uh, uh, engaged at the time, we weren't married yet. But we're down there. We're in the East Coast League. Uh, it, I have a university degree in finance, uh, and I'm sitting here and I'm grinding it out. And I didn't. <laughs> I, that was the first point that I didn't see the NHL dream anymore. Yeah. Um, I'd been in the NHL the year before with Florida. I didn't get any minutes, but I was there. And then it seemed like, and I can't remember exactly when the season it was, but whether it was halfway through or after Christmas. I think it was after Christmas. Um, I seemed like I was getting farther away from that NHL dream. And so I, I had thoughts through my head as, do I just move on with life? Uh, you know, I wasn't that young at the time, a second year pro. So I was, I was a little bit older going in. So I was 25 years old, about 26, maybe. Um, and do I continue? And, and then right. we actually talked about it. My wife and I talked about it, said, do we just, you know, and I said, well, I'm not going to quit mid season. Let's, let's get through the season uh, and, and then we'll make a decision. And then lo and behold, Trenton Titans traded for me. Uh, I played four games for them. The first three were shutouts at the time. I believe it was an ECHL record for, uh, continuous shutout minutes. Wow. Uh, I played a fourth game for them, got called up to Binghamton in the American league. And not long after played for Binghamton, played well in Binghamton and got a contract from the Ottawa senators for the next season. So I went from, uh, do I keep wow. going to I'm back on an NHL contract, you know? So <laughs> that's, that's where for me, it, when you look back at it, you gotta, you gotta stick with it and make your decisions yeah. at times when you're, you're, you're at peace and you're calm. And at the end of a season, don't, don't be making harsh decisions in the moment because things change so quickly. So that's how I got to Trenton. I went back to Trenton the next, even in, on the Ottawa contract, I ended up back on, in Trenton the next season. Uh, and then for a couple seasons more, uh, and my last year in Trenton was uh, just the most memorable experience uh, for me and for our team. We were able to uh, have a good season and 
and win the Kelly Cup. And that's a, a whole other story in itself. But it was uh, those are memories you, you never forget. And those teammates, uh, yeah. uh, it was such a great, great experience in Trenton uh, to go through that. And then I retired right after, too. So it, it was something that, that uh, it was a great way for me to end my career. Yeah. Riding off in the sunset, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like that. <laughs> uh, that's all right. No, I would go. I honestly, I would probably go out the same way too. That's been my goal to win a pro championship, and then maybe I'll uh, exit. But we'll we'll see what sort of shakes up. But yeah. you know, you you're sort of talking about. Um, you know, that uncertainty and how it's funny that you mentioned that because that's something that sort of happened with me was like when I went, I actually hurt my ankle really bad at UVM and I never had that doubt in my mind. And I think that a lot of uh, like elite goaltenders sort of have that iron skin, you know, have that rhino skin where they never really have that doubt. And then there's always a point I, in people's careers where that doubt starts to creep in a bit. So Maybe you can just talk about how you were able to combat that and what you did specifically to sort of overcome that doubt. Well, I, you know, what I did was try, like I said before, is try to stay in the moment. Um, and yeah, I was in a situation where uh, I did have a university degree and I knew that I would be able to use it when I needed it. So why not? play this out as long as I can. Um, you know, and it got to the point where after that one little dip, my second year thing, things were going pretty well. So I still had that kind of NHL dream or at least a chance at, at being playing, you know, a good level of pro hockey for a little bit longer. Uh, so I kept going and, and, uh, and I was in a good situation in in Trenton and, um, and I got called up every, every year I played some games in the American league. So I was still, you know, in the mix. Uh, and then that last right. year that I played was the 2004-2005 lockout season. So it got a little bit tougher that year because there was no NHL. So there were some NHL players playing in the American League. Um, there were some playing in the East Coast League, actually. Scott Gomez and Shane Knighty. Uh, that's two I remember off the top of my head that actually played, that we played against in the playoffs um, in, in the East Coast League. So it was a, it was a tough go that year for, to get jobs. So anyways, I, I, I played and, and, and I just kept that fire alive. And, and why not keep it yeah. alive as long as you can? And I knew that season that I was either going to go to Europe um, at the end of it or, or hang them up. And, and uh, it was something that for me, it kept me going to just see how long I could take it and uh, enjoy it as I went. And I think I got so much better at being comfortable in my own skin towards the end of my career that I really did enjoy that last season. And, uh, right. even, even the down parts, there was definitely some down parts, even in the playoffs, I had some tough games where I was able to come back from that maybe earlier in my career, I wouldn't have been able to do. So I was really proud at how I stayed mentally just focused and day to day and, and all the way through and was able to enjoy it with a great bunch of guys. So yeah. it, it, that's how I kind of did it. There's no secret formula on it. Um, yeah. but, I ended up not going to Europe. I had opportunities, but I ended up coming home and uh, starting a family and, and, uh, and was able to get into my coaching career a little bit younger yeah. uh, too than some. So, uh, so it's all worked out for me, not knowing at the time that it would, but it, it's, uh, it's been a great ride. Yeah. So you retire after that, you go down the road of coaching, you know, was coaching always something you, you wanted to do once you hung them up? Yeah, it was. I, you know, I started uh, when I was younger being uh, camp counselors. Uh, Jacques Martin has a hockey school in my hometown area, and he's had it for years and years. And I was able to start 
there and help out little kids as I was still, uh, you know, in high school age. And uh, I always kind of like, I was going to go into teaching. If, if hockey wasn't uh, in my future, I had planned on going into teaching. So it, it seemed very natural to me to be teaching something that I really loved and, and something that I uh, knew a bit about um, in high school. Uh, and so I kept doing that. Even when I was at UVM, I'd go back and uh, help uh, Jacques out in the summer at his camps and he'd give me more responsibility. I have him to thank a lot for my uh, coaching side is that when I did retire, I felt very comfortable coaching because I had already done it for uh, for a bunch of years. And I just got to be able to do it with um, some higher profile athletes as, as I went along. Yeah. So you were telling me a bit about, you know, you, you first, you, you started with some junior and some minor hockey, but your first big gig was working with the Japanese national hockey teams um, as a goalie coach and assistant coach, you know, how did that all sort of come together for you? Were you overseas during this time? No, I, it's funny. It came together uh, right after my, well, what, what happens is uh, a man by the name of Mark Mahan, uh, he uh, is from my hometown, uh, older than me, but somebody I knew in my hometown. He played, uh, he played pro in Germany for years and got in to be um, uh, a German agent, uh, hockey agent at the time. So he was talking to me in my last uh, season in Trenton about going overseas to play. And when I decided not to, I saw him at Christmas time just playing pickup hockey on Boxing Day in my hometown. Um, and uh, we struck up a, a conversation and, and he said, you know what, I may have another opportunity for you. Uh, he was the head coach of the men's national team in Japan uh, and helping out the whole Japanese national program um, in, in, you know, becoming uh, playing at a higher level all over uh, in, on the world stage. Um, and uh they were deciding on hiring a goaltending consultant. So that's how I got into Japan. I have Mark to thank for that. Uh, and it was such a great experience. So I started that at about January uh, of the first season that I wasn't playing. And I would go, I was living in Canada, living in Ottawa, and I would go over, um, you know, five, about 12 weeks of the year. Now, not always to Japan. Sometimes I would meet them for tournaments in Europe or uh, other places in Asia. And uh, we trained in Calgary with our women's team a few times. So I was able to see a lot of the world um, through this experience. And it, it, it was it was unbelievable. So I was doing that and coaching uh, Cumberland grads uh, goalies in the Central Junior Hockey League in, in my home area and doing lots of private things with uh, coaching young minor hockey league kids and trying. And I also had a government job uh, with uh, Natural Resources Canada in, fi in finance. So I was just trying to keep as many irons in the fire as I could. I, I had a dream now. I kind of reset my, my goals after I, I finished playing to, I want to get back to the NHL. And can I get back as a coach? And that was kind of my ultimate goal. And how am I going to do that? Well, I got to get experience. I got to get out there and so this is what I did. I didn't have any kids when I when I started uh, doing all this. Uh, I did by the end, but uh, but uh, it was somewhat something that was doable at the time. Um, and the whole Japanese experience, I stayed with that uh, for five years. Right, I would have kept doing it because I really really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the people and just the freshness and the, the Japanese culture and how disciplined they are and and uh, how quickly they're they're very. Uh, all these players were so intelligent and, and very, very willing to try new things. And it was a lot of fun. It was a very fresh uh, experience for me. And, and I got to see some, some great places. So that's kind of how it all went down um, from for that experience uh, that kind of um, 
catapulted me forward uh, into working with pro athletes in, in North America. Yeah. So along your road to, to being a pro, uh, a pro coach, you were at St. Lawrence for a couple seasons as well. You know, maybe, um, you know, just sort of take us through some of the important work you did with your goalies there. And, you know, some things that stuck out during your time there developing as a coach and, and teaching those guys. Yeah, you know, it, it was awesome. Living in Ottawa, uh, St. Lawrence University was only just over an hour drive for me uh, south uh, across the border. Uh, and obviously, St. Lawrence was a was a team that was a big rival of ours when we were at UVM because yeah. when I was there, we were still in, in the ECAC. Um, and uh, I, I was lucky enough that Mike Gilligan, my coach at Vermont, uh, was uh, very good friends with Joe Marsh, uh, the coach uh, at St. Lawrence. Uh, and Bob Pryor, his head assistant at the time, was from Ottawa and had the same uh, agent, Larry Kelly, as I did uh, in Ottawa. So there were some connections there. And Bob Bob Pryor mm-hmm. called me and said, hey, we're looking for a volunteer goalie coach. And I knew all about it because I know that's what Terry Lovelett did for us. He, yeah. You're not you're not on staff as a salaried employee. You're volunteering your time. And it's something that I, I wanted to do. And I thought so much of Terry when I did do it that, that it really was fulfilling to be able to help out guys that are one step away from pro hockey. And the biggest things I saw there is they, we had five goalies at, at one time when I was there. So wow. you have a lot of goalies to be on the ice for practice. And we, I went down and did, uh, you know, goalie specific sessions and we'd split it into two groups so that we had uh, more chance to work um, without guys standing around. So there, with the college rosters, you're working with, you know, three, four, and in, and for a little bit for us, five um, goalies at a time. So it, it, it you have a, a feeling that you can you can really help guys out at different spots. You you have guys that are playing, you have guys that aren't playing at all. So so it was it was interesting for me to to work both from the mental side and from the physical side with guys in different situations right there uh, at St. Lawrence. So that that was one thing I saw. Another thing I saw is that. Uh, you're, you're starting to work with athletes that are uh, working out all the time, that are strong, that are all very talented. And it was to, to piece together for me, what did each goalie need? Uh, and it's not a blanket, uh, it's not a blanket uh, coaching technique where you just say, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. You have to, you have to be doing at that point for me, doing video on each goalie, doing uh, working with uh, games, and working with them, watching games to find out what do they need the most on top of the basics. Obviously, we all, we're always going to work edge control and footwork and um, and those type of things. But it was fun for me at that level to start to really individually tailor uh, coaching experiences for goaltenders. Mm-hmm. So from what you've seen, you know, what does it sort of take? And, you know, maybe what are some specific skills that when you're evaluating goaltenders and you said there's, you're sort of working with a lot, you know, what do they sort of need to have to make that transition to college hockey much more smooth in your opinion? Uh, For me, uh, the first thing that I look at is the feet. Uh, You know, it's, it's footwork and edge control. Can they get set? Can they be in, in position to make saves? And so a lot of the work happens before the actual shot. So the first thing I'm looking mm. for is, is footwork and edge control and how dynamic you move around the net. And what I mean by dynamic is how explosive are you to get into that position and get set? 
Um, and then also a big thing for me is reaction speed. Uh, reaction speed to me is a tougher thing to teach. It's more of a natural yeah. quality. You can get, obviously everybody can get quicker, but there's some goalies that you just see right away that are naturally uh, reactive and, and have very quick reactive, especially with their hands. Um, so that's another area. Uh, size plays a, a factor. Uh, it's not the end all be all, but definitely, a, a, you know, if you're looking yeah. at a goalie who's, who's bigger and moves just as well as a smaller goalie, well, there's more there because he's covering more of the net, but it, it's, yeah, uh, for sure. it's very, it's very interesting now at the NHL level and the high pro levels that there's a lot of, um, smaller goalies that uh, are doing very well, just based on straight out speed and, and, uh, compete and battle. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun and you have many different styles uh, of goaltenders. So those are the big areas for me then. And then, uh, one, one area it, it, for me uh, it, that is big is body language and how you handle yourself. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and you can, you can read a lot on a goalie from how he handles himself both on and off the ice, uh, just, just in pressure situations and, uh, how they handle disappointment and how are they handle when they're doing really well. So it's uh, body language, uh, you know, is a, is a big, uh, big thing that I'm looking at too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches look for that. What's you mentioned reaction speed. Is there anything that you do specifically with your guys to sort of help work on that? Yeah. You know, I, I got lucky uh, with Buffalo to get um, when I was with the Sabres to get hooked up with a guy by the name of Josh Tucker. He's out of Minnesota, out of Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Um, and he uh, is a vision consultant. And, and there's so many things you can do now with uh, ball work, with, uh, mm-hmm. with um, you know, eye exercises. Because the way he patterned it to me was the eye is a muscle, just like any other muscle in your body that you're working out and you're trying to get stronger the eye is a muscle. You, you have to be working on your, on your eyes as well. And so we, we, I've learned a lot uh, from him on, on different ball exercises and different reaction speed exercises that, that are a lot of fun and different for the goalies. It's not the same old, same old. So guys yeah. seem to really like to do it. My last year in Buffalo, we, we created uh, with Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark, we created a, um, the Sabres, we have one of those big shooting, uh, shooting pads. That's all enclosed where the pucks come to you right. and guys can shoot at targets. We, we use that area because the balls wouldn't fly away. And, um, and uh, through Josh Tucker, we, we created these boards that are on angles that you can get an up trajectory from, from a ball coming off of it. So it looks like it's coming off the ice like a puck. Yeah. Uh, and we would do things daily before practice to warm up uh, our eyes and warm up our hands and, and reaction speed just, just to get into rhythms, uh, muscle memory. Um, and we would change it up and try to keep it fun so that the, so that, uh, the goalies, even at the NHL level, they want to have fun too, <laughs> um, yeah, are able yeah. to come in and <laughs> feel like they get, they get something out of it, um, before practice. So, so we do, we've done a lot of things. There's a lot of vision, uh, hand-eye coordination things, uh, uh out there that are a lot of fun for goalies that, and that help. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think the eyes are super undervalued and I think that there's a lot of stuff out there now, even with like neurovisual training software and there's all this knowledge now, you know, sort of surrounding around the, the training around the eyes. It's something that I got into like six, seven years ago and personally has made a, a tremendous difference, um, for me, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so then you go pro, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, coach, get a coaching job with the Roxford ice hogs, you know, um, you know, working with your guys in Rockford, what were some things that were the main core uh, of your approach working with these guys and getting them ready for the NHL? 
Well, it's interesting. I, I was lucky, uh, lucky enough to get the opportunity to speak with Chicago about this developmental goaltending coach position. And, and it was something that was at the time decently new. There wasn't that many teams in the NHL that had one. And yeah. my responsibilities were basically every goalie outside the NHL. So uh, their American League team was in Rockford. So you'd have two goalies there. And then at the time when I started their East Coast League team, they were splitting uh, Toledo with Detroit. Now their East Coast League team is uh, Indianapolis. Uh, and in my last couple of years, they were in Indy. Uh, and then you also have a responsibility to work with prospects that aren't that um, are draft picks that aren't playing pro yet or in Europe or in major junior or in college. In college, you couldn't. Anybody we had on NCAA, you could speak with them, but you could not go on the ice with them. Whereas uh, I was lucky enough, my first couple of years, uh, we had two out west in the WHL, uh, Matt Carruth in Portland and Kent Simpson in Everett, that were actually pretty close together. So I got out there a few times a year and was able to go on the ice there. And the coaching staffs were uh, were very good with me uh, to, to let me come in. And I would work with their goalie coaches when they were there. And it, so it was a lot of fun. So I... I my first and foremost priority was to get the next guys in Rockford ready for the NHL. Cause at any given time you could be up in the NHL the next day. Uh, and so I, you were dealing with a bunch of uh, goalies at different uh, points in their careers. So you could have uh, in the American league, you could have a guy just turning pro high end prospect, or you could have a guy who's there. I had Michael Layton, who was 35 yeah. at the time, uh, you know? Uh, yeah. So, so you're dealing with guys at different levels uh, of the, at different uh, points in their career. So my biggest uh, challenge and, and what was a lot of fun for me was to figure out what made each goalie tick and how I was going to get through to them and what we needed to change, if anything. Uh, and then obviously supporting them all the way through. So a guy like Michael Layton was, was still, willing to learn. He obviously at, at that point in your career, you're not changing, making big drastic changes, but right. he always wanted to get better. We were always watching video um, uh, to say, you know, what can we do different in this situation or what did you do well in this situation? And, and then um, uh, it, 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 able, it enabled them to feel like they were prepared and ready when they went up. I, I had a few goalies go up to the NHL in my time in Rockford and do very well. And, I was very proud of it. It's, you, you almost feel like they're your kids, you know, you're, you're preparing yeah. them for, for the world. And when they get that call, it's big. And, you know, uh, between Leighton and Scott Darling, Auntie Ronta, Carter Hutton, all these guys went on um, and, and did very well when they did get called up. Uh, so it was something that uh, made me proud. So I guess, again, a long story for your, you had to individually tailor programs for each goaltender based on where they were in their career and what they needed to work on. So that, that's, uh, that's what I was doing as my, in my time in, uh, in Chicago in that development role. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, you know, what's sort of the biggest area that you see goalies struggle with during trying to transition, you know, to pro hockey from, from major juniors or college? To me, it's the pace of play. Uh, and I know that both from personal experience and from watching guys do it uh, when I was coaching. I My first year pro, like well, like I said, I got to play in the East Coast League, play in the American League, and I practiced in the NHL uh, and sat on the bench for a couple of games. So I, I was in practice at all three levels. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the speed of play. Uh, it's not so much. There, there's guys in the East Coast League that can shoot the puck just like a guy in the NHL. 
but how quickly does he get it off? That's the biggest thing was to be able to get feet set. If you're off balance, even if you're making saves, you're giving up more rebounds, it's harder for you to recover because you're off balance and it's taking you longer to get set in your next position. So the biggest thing for me in that transition from, from turning pro and then working your way through the levels of pro is the quickness of the release of the shooter. Not so much the velocity of the shot, yeah. it's the quickness of the release. And I found, and you can see goalies early in their time at a new level, uh, in practice, they don't quite look comfortable. They just look a little bit off. So then yeah. they're not reacting naturally. But as their feet get used to the pace of play, then they then you can see the comfort in their game and then they're able to, to continually improve. So I was always about working to get your feet out of your comfort zone in practice situations, in drill situations, right. so that whenever that pace of play does increase, you're able to adapt as quickly as possible to it. So that was the biggest, biggest thing that I saw from the different uh, levels of pro. Yeah. So you then get your shot with the Buffalo Sabres. You know, maybe just tell us about some of the guys you worked with there over the years, and and maybe in terms of development. You know, uh, you just mentioned that that rate of play and the release, but maybe the biggest things that stuck out to you after working, um, you know, obviously with players from all levels, but being at that NHL level, what was sort of that thing that separated those guys from everybody trying to make it? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I uh, was lucky enough to get an opportunity with Buffalo to become their head goalie coach um, for uh, five seasons ago now. Uh, and uh, I was able to do it for four years. And it, it for me, it was a great step for me. It's where I wanted to be. Uh, it was yeah. always my my goal uh, was to get to become an NHL uh, goaltending coach, uh, and I got the opportunity. And Buffalo was in a situation where um, I got there Jack Eichel's first year, so it was the year Jack Eichel was uh, was drafted. Right. So they were coming into a phase where they were on the on the up, and and uh, I thought it was a great situation uh, to get into. Um, and I was able to work my first year. I had, uh, Robin Leonard and, uh, Chad Johnson and, uh, talking about different goalies and different styles and, and how, uh, how to motivate guys differently. Um, it was a great learning experience for me because I had two very different goaltenders. Uh, Robin is a, is a very, very natural flow type goal. He's more, he's a very, very a big goaltender, but he doesn't play a big boxy style. He's more of a, right. a freewheeling uh, reactionary goalie who happens to be six foot five. Um, and, uh, and so it with, with Robin, it was, it was very interesting. He, he, he's an elite play reader and the way that he reads plays. And it was, it was interesting yeah. to listen to him talk and how he, how he perceives different situations. And so we formed a great working relationship where we could work on some things to get him a little bit more technically sound and play different situations the same way, you know, instead of every time he, he came to his right post playing it differently, you know? And so that yeah. was, those were areas with Robin and, and Chad Johnson was a very technically sound goalie, very much a thinker, a positional goaltender. And with Chad, it was, it was about doing things quicker and getting him there and, and working on his explosiveness. And, um, it was a lot of fun for me for a first year, uh, a pro. Um, and then, and that's what, and then I worked, I worked my way from there, but that's what I found is at the NHL level, just because they're in the NHL didn't, doesn't mean that they're perfect and doesn't mean that they want to stop learning. And that's the biggest thing is they still want to learn. They, they want to be the best in the world. They just happen to be in a position where they're close, they're there. And it's how do you stay there and how do you, 
everybody has different goals. Uh, you know, did Robin Leonard want to be just an okay goalie or did, does Robin Leonard want to be the best goalie in the world? You know, and, and he's in a position where if he, if, when he worked, he, he could be, uh, you know, a best goalie in the world. So that, so a lot of fun to, to find areas to motivate each individual goalie. Um, and then in my second year, I had Robin I, again, and I had Anders Nielsen. So I had a Swedish tandem and two very drastically different styles again with Anders Nielsen being very, very technical, very wide stance, big edge control guy, uh, very good post play goalie um, that wanted to work on a little more reaction speed, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and it was, it was a great mix there. Uh, and then my third year, Chad Johnson came back. Uh, so it was great. Chad wanted to come back and, and, and I was part of that reason. And, and, uh, and all the way through, I had Linus Allmark uh, coming uh, and he was a goalie that, that we worked a lot with before he was in the NHL um, to get him ready to, to, to be an NHL goalie. And my fourth year was his first full season in the NHL, which was last season. Um, and we brought in Carter Hutton, who I had, in Rockford, uh, in Chicago system, um, and who I had a, a personal relationship with and knew that he'd be a great fit for Allmark because he's such a true professional and does things the right way, a great motivator. And, and we thought he'd be a great, uh, great teammate uh, to show Allmark the, the ropes mm-hmm. uh, as a pro goalie. So that's, that was my four years, uh, in Buffalo, um, and got to work with goalies with very different styles. But, uh, at the end of the day, they all want to get better still. They all want to learn. Yeah. Um, and they're just very supreme, very supremely talented goalies that still want to continue to learn. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I saw in the NHL. The other one, the other, the one thing that, that I did have at the NHL level that I, I didn't realize it was that big of a deal until I actually got into it was time management and um, right. kind of load management this, their schedule is much different from college. It's, it's just a weekend league. Even the American and league and East coast league is mostly weekend leagues. You have three, yeah. four practices in a row sometimes. Whereas in the NHL, it's a game every second day, sometimes three and four nights with travel, with plane rides, with, uh, with all of this extra media coverage and media availability. And they, they're getting pulled in a lot more different directions and their time is being used more uh, than, than other goalies. So that was a big thing is when can we practice? When can we go harder in practice? We had to yes. set up kind of our, our monthly schedule around our travel schedule. Are we away a lot? Are we at home a lot? Um, how much, how many days off do they have uh, during this month? And, and so that part of it is tricky uh, and challenging to make sure that you have your goalies ready to play rested to a certain degree but sharp. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was always a a juggling act from that standpoint. And that's maybe the biggest thing in the NHL um, from a coaching standpoint that you have to, to make sure that you're on top of all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's um, something stuck out to me there where you sort of said, you know, like these guys are always learning. And I, I have a lot of kids that reach out to me that are like, well, uh, this coach said this about my skating and my skating is my strong suit. And, you know, I thought I was always good at skating, but the way I sort of always put it is like, okay, but on a scale of like one to Rask or like one to price, you know, where do you sort of fall in, into that, into that spectrum? Right. So maybe what's some advice, you know, that you have for kids that, you know, maybe think they're strong in some areas, but you know, like we all got to get better. We all got to grow constantly. And even these guys at the NHL level, the game's always changing. So what's some advice that, 
you can give some kids in terms of um, putting things into a different perspective of that we're always growing? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. Um, you want to analyze your game and what you feel your strengths are and what you feel areas you need to improve more on. And then you take in information and uh, comments from coaches that you've had that are telling you what they feel your strengths and your, your um, areas of improvement are. And the key is that, like you just said, well, my feet are good. I'm a good skater. Well, Carey Price is a good skater too. And he's still pushing his feet every day before practice. Yeah. He's, he's still pushing for his feet to be better. Um, so it's important that you, just because you're good at something, don't just work on, well, I'm, 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 I don't like my reaction speed with my blocker. So don't just work on, on your blocker. You have to work on everything, but you can focus a little more time to things that you want to improve on, yeah. but you have to have your base. Your footwork is your base. It's always got to be there. My, my first training camp in Florida, Roberto Luongo was the starter. He'd been a pro for a few years already because mm -hmm. I was late coming out of college. He was three years younger than me. And we did footwork drills before practice and he blew me out of the water. And then I would watch after practice and he would do some st more stuff on his own. Yeah. So I was like, so it was kind of an eye opener to me um, that, wow, this guy is very good, first of all. Yes but he's still working to be better. So mm -hmm. that's my advice to kids is you, even on your strengths, work to make them better. Cause if it's a strength, it's something that you can really use. Yeah. You can really use, but you have to, you have to analyze your game and know what you feel you're good at and know what people uh, with, with educated eyes uh, looking at you, tell you, take it all in, take it all in and form your, your plan from there. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. You have to sort of just be coachable, take everything with a grain of salt and be objective always about what people say to you. You know, you have to be honest when you're sort of self-evaluating, right? Um, you know, but so now you're currently doing some work on the scouting side of things for Seattle's new organization in the NHL. And I mean, we obviously can't go into too much detail there yet, but maybe just sort of give us an idea of what it's like to, to see a professional organization like that built from the ground up. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's an unbelievable experience. Um, they're an unbelievable organization. Uh, everybody I've spoken to uh, in the Seattle organization has so much energy and so much passion. They're really excited about this. And they're um, still a year and a half away uh, from, from puck drop. But it, there's, it, it's amazing what all goes into it and, and how much has to be taken into consideration. And for me, I'm focusing on, on goalies and, and um, basically uh, helping them work towards their first expansion draft, um, you know, not this summer, but next summer. Uh, and uh, it's just been, it's an incredible experience to be a part of at the grassroots level because there's yeah. so much involved, so much that you never really thought about is involved. And um, we got a chance to, to go out to Seattle um, and uh, look around and meet people and uh, and see the building getting built and it's just such a vibe in the city. I, it's going to be incredible for that city when when the team is ready to play and and if I can uh, have a little part in uh, and helping that uh, come to fruition, that's a it's a great experience for me and uh, it's it's doing what I love to do. It's it's talking about and watching goaltenders that I have been scouting already. Um, for for a, for a few years now so i have a great uh, 
kind of book on on goaltenders in my head and and uh and uh i'm able to help uh seattle uh kind of piece through and and see what we're we're looking for yeah so for the guys you're looking at maybe you can just give some tips to our listeners that that might have dreams to play in the nhl one day obviously we all have that dream but you know how can they sort of get in front of guys like you and, and show you that that they can play and then also you know what are some of those things that you look for that sort of helps goalies stick out in, in such a crowded world um i'll start with what what uh what what to look for and i think uh you know it's a combination to me of speed athleticism uh compete uh and obviously size uh to a certain degree yeah. as well yeah. yeah and so the the ideal you know perfect goaltenders have really good feet a really good size have really good reaction speed, can handle the puck, um, and show you on the ice that they're unflappable and uh, are um, competing and always battling on pucks. There's your there's your ideal goaltender in the world, and it's to find what what part of that sets you aside from somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have elite speed? Do you have um, elite puck handling ability? Uh, things that that to be seen. Um, you're going to play at the highest level you can. There's so many different routes uh, yeah. to get there. So I, you don't have to worry about, well, I didn't make this team. I didn't make that team. If you play well enough, um, there's from college scouts to major junior scouts to tier two junior A scouts to all the way up to NHL scouts, there's people out there all the time. So mm-hmm. it's you, you go about your business, find a spot that works for you, that you feel you can um, – Contribute to a team. Um, the, the key is to get minutes. The, the key is to be in situations where you feel that you can play. Yeah, if you're not in the right. net, you're not going to get seen. Um, so when you're when you do have people watching and you do get seen, is is do what you do best to stand out. Are you a good communicator on the ice? You know, right. scouts. Right. I, I've been in buildings before too, where all of a sudden I started looking because I could hear the goalie. He's a quarterback <laughs> back there, and and it, yeah. it makes you it makes you look it makes you look right away. So. You want to stand out doing what you do best. Don't 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 do something you think they want to see. Do what's natural to you, uh, and, and that's identity. the biggest thing. Exactly, play to your identity. Because if it, if if it's fake, people know. Um, so you, you got to be yourself. Be yourself in there and compete level, body language, um, obviously uh, speed, everything, control balance it all goes in but it's it's to 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 find your style to find what you do best in order to to make you stop the puck because as i've been told by every coach that i've worked with just can you get them just to stop the puck please so at the end of the day it's about (laughs) stopping pucks but uh but we see we see how the process uh, yeah yeah we uh we, we, we make it a little too complicated sometimes, like from a, both a physical and the mental side, I think. And at the end of the day, it's sort of, and, um, you know, just talking to some active goalies, it's sort of just whatever it takes to stop that puck. If we have to sort of implement systems and be a little robotic, if that's what helps us sort of get the job done, like mentally and physically, that's what's required of, uh, out of us, right? Because at the level you're at and, and that you've played at, we both know that you know, it's a business. Hockey's a business and, and everybody wants to win championships. Everybody wants wants rings. And, um, you know, you got to find ways to win. Uh, you know what I mean? So, um, Andrew, do you have any last last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about? Well, if you take my, my story as an example, uh, 
there's no one way uh, to make it. Um, and no matter what level you reach, if you are working towards that level, it's satisfying. You'll get, you'll find life experiences out of it uh, that right. you never thought you would get. This whole Japan situation for me came out of the blue. Uh, I was in play. I was at the Asian Winter Games in uh, Lithuania, and I was in uh, no, sorry, in Kazakhstan, and I was in Lithuania for a World Championship. I was in places that I never thought I'd be, just mm -hmm. because I was working towards a goal. Now, there was no guarantee ever that I was going to get to be an NHL goalie coach, and there's no guarantee that I'm ever going to be one again. Yeah. Uh, but just working through a process of working towards something is is very healthy, and it and it opens up doors all over the place, and you meet people that uh, that might t take your path in a totally different direction. But it, it, you need to have you need to have goals, you need to be disciplined, and you need to not um, give up, uh, when it doesn't go your way. And, and it's, it's yeah. again, very simple to say it that way, but we all have situations where, um, it gets tough and, uh, and it's how you come out. It's how you re respond to difficult situations, uh, that yeah. show who you are and your true character. And so that's, you know, a very general, but that's my biggest thing is keep, keep creating dreams and, and set goals along the way to get towards them and see where, where the path takes you. There's so many jobs. If I'm very passionate about hockey, obviously there's so many jobs mm -hmm. in hockey um, that aren't the head coach that aren't the, yeah. the, the goalie coach that there I've seen now being a part of it, the whole business side of, of hockey, maybe someday I'm on, on the management side and I'm able to use my finance degree at UVM uh, to, yeah. to good use again. And um, it just, just to get in, uh, keep working towards, find your way in. Uh, keep talking to people, keep asking questions. Um, there are a lot of good hockey people out there that have, have lots of time because they know uh, me, me uh, included. They know uh, that they needed help to get there. You know, you don't get there on your own. Yeah. You, you need uh, help. You need timing. You obviously you need a little bit of luck uh, to all the way yeah. through. So it's, it's a great, enjoy the ride. Try not to get bogged down when it's not going, enjoy the ride and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, see where it takes you. Cause I'm, I'm in that point right now. I don't know where it's going to take me again. Yeah. You know, I got to one point and, and I'm, I'm working towards getting back or maybe it's a new opportunity. Maybe NHL Seattle is going to be this, this big, great, uh, situation for me. Right. Who knows? So it's, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun there so far and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the future holds with, with Seattle as well. Yeah. I think you just have to learn to embrace the uncertainty of the lifestyle and just know that you, you don't really know what's down the road, but whatever it is, you know, you're going to make the best of it. And usually if you put your best foot forward, like things turn out pretty good. So, um, yep. Andrew, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. It, it's been a pleasure to have you on here to chat today. I, I know people are going to love this one, you know, just definitely going to provide perspective. And I always believe that if you have the right perspective, then the expectations to sort of get what you want in this world are, are very clear. And I think today we've provided some clarity. So can you just let my audience know where they can get in touch with you online? Yeah, for sure. I have an Instagram account. Um, I'm based out of Niagara Falls, Ontario. Uh, and I have an Instagram account, little uh, goalie business, uh, goaltenders by Andrew Allen. Tried to put a little spin on GAA on goals against average. So goaltenders by Andrew <laughs> Allen. You can check me out on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well. Um, just getting started on it. Uh, you know, this season, uh, I had a little more time on my hands. Uh, so I played around with the logo and uh, doing a lot of uh, uh, 
you know, uh, starting this summer, going to do a camp in Niagara Falls. And so anyways, I, I put little things on online. I haven't yeah. done a ton yet, but I plan on doing more. So on Instagram or Facebook at goaltenders by Andrew Allen. Thank you. Right on. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll definitely be sharing your stuff. I know it's a bit of a smaller account now, but I'm going to open up the, the, the floodgates and, uh, show some people into your channel there. So <laughs> great. Um, that means, yeah, that means yeah. I got more work on it, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're always working both on the playing and the business side of things. You know how it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So go check out NHL goalie coach and former UMEM goalie, uh, Andrew Allen on Instagram. He's had success both during his playing and coaching days and has worked with some of the most elite goaltenders in the world. You know, maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, man. If that's something that, that interests you, Andrew. Oh, for sure. That's a lot of fun. Any, uh, any information I can share and help out. Uh, it's a lot of fun for me, uh, to talk about it. Uh, and as I continue going, uh, it's, uh, I may have some new stories for you as well. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. You take care and uh, be safe. We'll chat soon, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up still are ready to come on to the show the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as we have NHL goalie coach Eli Wilson, the Ottawa Senators goalie coach for a few years back in 2007, and his business has now grown into one of the most elite goaltending development programs in the world. We talk about what separates amateur goalies from NHL caliber goalies, his work with Carey Price over the years, and what separates him from everyone else. You won't want to miss this one, so make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscriptions we're giving away. To enter the giveaway, simply go to Apple Podcasts or on iTunes if you have an Android and you have a computer and leave us a review, a written review and rating. Once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product, they are currently offering subscriptions for cheaper than what the price will be when the product fully launches. So if you guys want to get started at a cheaper price before the price goes up, hit me up on Instagram. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.